Turn with me back to Acts 22 just for a moment. And uh, it says there in verse 12 for Ananias, when our Lord would told him to go over to talk to Saul of Tarsus, he says, Lord said, he's, he's a mean man. He's an awful man. And I, I, you know, I've heard a lot of things about him. He says, you go. Behold, he prayeth. He said, you go. He's mine. So he went over there. And he said in verse 14, he said, the God of our fathers hath chosen thee. First thing God does, elect somebody. Second, that thou shouldest know His will. This is the will of Him. That everyone that seeth the Son hath life. He that seeth not the Son hath not life. And here's the thing. See that just one. What they just sang about. See that just one. The just for the unjust. The innocent for the guilty. The righteous for sinners. And not only that, but that you should hear His voice. Not going on to see Him, but you're going to hear Him. (laughs) And then He says this, For thou shalt be His witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. I want to talk about being a witness. And I can only tell what I've witnessed. What I've personally seen myself and what I've heard myself. If you've ever been set on a court in a jury and you have to get on the stand to be a witness you can't get on there and tell what you heard me say or somebody else say you've got to know these things for yourself so if they say what did you see and what did you hear and so that's what I'm going to do you know and that's why Paul says I have a witness we bear witness to God. Our Lord Jesus Christ, after His resurrection, He says, after He told them to open the Scriptures to their understanding, He says, now you are witnesses of these things. Witnesses. And what I want to talk about is about witnessing to about three or four things this morning. But I do know that until men and women come to the conclusion in their hearts and minds that the God of this age, the God of this world, the God that most people worship and call on is not the God of the Bible. Don't even resemble Him. And until they come to that conclusion and brought there by God Himself like Saul of Tarsus was, they'll be confused, they'll be fearful, they'll be unbelieving. And they'll make excuses for themselves. They'll make excuses for their family and friends who don't know God. They say, well, they don't believe like we do. You know, he, he goes to another church and they don't, uh, they don't preach like you do. They don't believe like we do. But I still, believe he, I still believe he loves the Lord. I still believe he knows God. I still believe, I, I believe he's saved. And I tell you what, there ain't but one God, one gospel, one Savior. God made it very plain, very simple. It's hard to get confused over one. And you say, well, why would you make this an issue? Because the Bible does. Look over in Acts 17. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Look in Acts 17. That's why our Lord Jesus Christ, He says, you know, this is eternal life, that they might know Thee, the only true God, 
and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. And look what happens here now. Paul in verse 22. Now he's, he's standing on this place where I mean, I mean folks are super religious. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hills that was at Areopagus and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you're too superstitious. Too superstitious. Too religious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, the margin says the gods that you worship. These fellows were devoted people. People get up and talk about, you know, I have my devotions. I have so I have this time set apart for my devotions, and this time, and that and the other. When, and, and listen, these fellows were devout. I mean, they had their devotions. And look what it says. And they found an altar. He says, when I walked around and looked all over this place, I finally come to a big old altar. And when I saw that altar, it said it had an inscription on it. To the unknown God. <laughs> you go to the graveyard and everybody's got inscriptions on their tombs. Says something about it. When they say, well, we got a God. And that big old stone and an inscription to the unknown God. And then watch what Paul says. Whom therefore you ignorantly, ignorantly worship. This one that's unknown, that's the one I'm going to tell you about. <laughs> he said, you know all the rest of them. You know all the rest of them, but there's one you don't know. And that's the God of the Bible. I'm going to tell you about Him. And then look what He said about Him. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing He's Lord of heaven and earth. He don't dwell in these temples you got built up here. He don't dwell in this great old big temple where all you fellows gather and bow down before your idols. Neither is worship with the works of men's hands as though He needed anything. Does He need anything? Seeing He's the one that gives life. He's the one that gives breath. He's the one that gives all things. And just in case you think you're better than anybody else, just in case you think you're more righteous, more dedicated, more committed, and no more than anybody else, He's made one blood out of one man, all nations of men to dwell on the earth. And He determined the bounds of their habitation. He's determined where you live, where you're born, where you die before you ever got into this world. And all He says is just... He said, for in Him we live, move, and have our being. Now that's what I won't talk about. I won't be a witness. That's why, that's why I make an issue of these things. Now I tell you what, beloved. I bless lots of days. I bless today. My cup runs over today. God's been good. Oh, God's been so good to me. But oh, I tell you, one day I bless above all other days. That's the day that God in His sovereign mercy... Open my heart to believe the gospel. To trust the Lord Jesus Christ with my heart and my soul and my eternal, my whole being. And I bless God that He raised up a man who knew that gospel and preached it fearfully, fearlessly, faithfully, graciously, and lovingly and prayerfully. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to make a distinction. They hear they had this altar to the unknown God. Let me say a few things here. They say the God of today, He loves everybody. 
Oh, God loves everybody. And just in case, you know, they, they're afraid of offending somebody, they say, but I, and I do too. But, they, but does the God of the Bible love everybody? Does the God of the Bible love everybody? The God of today is trying to save somebody, even everybody, and will save them if they will just let Him. Is this the God of the Bible? And the God of today saves men at the permission of their will. He has to wait on them to choose. They say, God will if you will. Does the God of the Bible have to wait to, for men's will to agree with His will? The God of today won't punish men's sin. Won't punish sin. Everybody, everybody, it turns out to be a good man when they die. Everybody turns out to be the best fellow that ever drawn a breath when they die. Though they live like hell and meaner than Satan himself. Mistreated their wife, their children, and their dogs. But God won't punish their sin and they can't go to hell. But will the God of the Bible punish sin? The God of today is trying His best to control things. Control things. But if man doesn't defeat Him and frustrate His will, then Satan comes along and does it. Satan is out of his control. Is this the God of the Bible? And the God of this age, the God of this day in which men, most men worship, to keep from being offensive and keep from being discriminating and to be always morally relative, He lets a man be saved any way he wants to. Buddha, a Buddhist is saved just as much as the average church member. Catholicism, you can believe in the Pope and kiss the Pope's ring or the Cardinal's ring and have some priest throw water in your face and sue some hocus pocus over you and you can be saved. You can go in a baptistry pool and they'll say, well, when you got out of there, now you fixed up, you obeyed the Lord, now you get to glow to glory. And you can even be saved by being good. Oh, all God wants you to do is just be good, do the best you can. And oh, they'll even let you be saved and continue in opposition to God. Oh, I, I believe God, but I certainly don't believe in that election. I believe God is, is, is God on His, on His throne, but I tell you what, he, he can't do anything unless you let Him. So you can be saved and still be in opposition against Him. And i tell you something else, he, He'll even let you bypass Jesus Christ. As long as you make a profession on their altar. Oh my. And they say, and I've heard so many people say this, I do not believe that God would make only one way to get there. There has to be lots of ways to get there because God is too good. God is too loving. God is too merciful. He's a chameleon. He'll be all things to all men. Is this the God of the Bible? Is this the God that Paul described? The God of today is a pitiful, frustrated, defeated, 
as Henry used to call him a peanut God, defeated and despicable creature who has no will, who has no power, who has no rights, and he'll just get weaker and weaker and more pitiful for he's the creation of men's minds and man always makes his God less than himself. Less than himself. But oh, is that the God of the Bible? God said in Psalm 50, 21, He says, Did you think I was altogether somebody like you? Did you really think I was like you? <laughs> oh, they, being vain in their imaginations, they've had this conception of God, and Paul said they're fools. Fools for that. And oh, but let me tell you something. No human mind, no human mind or no imagination could have conceived the God of this blessed book. Couldn't have done it, huh? The scripture said he's pathfinding out. How unsearchable are his judgment and his wisdom? Oh, and it says the heaven of heavens can't contain him. It says he just speaks and it's done and he commands and it stands fast. He said he works all things after the counsel of his own will. He's asked Job, where was you, Job, when I put the stars in the heavens? Where was you, Job, when I put the broad frost on the ground? Where was you, Job, when I put the gold in the ground? Where was you, Job, when I put the silver in the rocks? Where was you, Job, when I put the... Well, in the middle of the sea, where was you? And old Job said, oh boy, I, I, I thought I knew something about you, but I'm going to do this right now. And oh my, and i tell you what, and they certainly couldn't have conceived of him this way, a just God and a Savior at the same time. <laughs> Oh, and you know the heavens can't contain him, and yet he chooses and wills and purposes to come down and dwell in his people and dwell in their hearts by faith. Huh? Oh, my. And you know what? We have to be taught of him or we wouldn't know that. And if a man is confused about which God is right, then he don't know God. He don't know God. And let me tell you one more time just some things that I've seen myself that I've seen and I bear witness to and I would love to bear witness to this every time I get an opportunity. I'd love to I'd love to go to a, one of these places that fill up thousands of people and this is what I bear witness to. This is what I bear witness to. That I've seen God and I've heard His voice. That's what Paul that's what he said about Paul he said the Lord hath chosen you that you might see that just one. And I didn't see him in a vision, but you know where I saw him at? In his word. Saw him in his word. In his word. And oh listen, I and and and, and he has attributes, and I saw this, and I bear witness to this. That I saw that he has attributes, qualities that only belong to him and nobody else in this universe. Huh? 
Look over in Psalm 115, just a minute. You know, I, I could quote this, and we've quoted this so many times over the years. Psalm 115. You know, He's the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. And it says, I am the Lord, and I change not. Everything else changes. The seasons changes. We change. Presidents change. Time change. Life changes. Life comes and life goes. Everything changes. But you know there's one thing that's constant in this world. That's God. Always the same. Never, never changes. And look what he said here. In verse Psalm 115. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, where is now their God? Now there we go back. What God are you worshiping now? Where's your God? And I tell you, when Paul got through preaching there on Mars Hill and he preached the resurrection, you know what they said? Let's come back and see what this babbler says because he talked about a resurrection. His God's different than the one we've got. And listen to what he says. What words now their God? Now listen to it. But our God is in the heavens. Oh, that's a wonderful place to be. But now listen to what else it says about him. He hath done whatsoever pleased him. <laughs> that makes me that just makes my heart rejoice. Whatever pleases him, he does that. Whatever pleases him, that's what he does. That's wonderful, ain't it, Brad? Oh, so that's why we say, Lord, whatever pleases you, you do. Because he's going to. If we just agree with what he does. Oh, my, bless his name. Men today can comprehend their God. They can manipulate him. But he's not the one that I've seen. Oh, no, no. He, he, we can't manipulate him. And I tell you something, we would not, if, if, if we had the ability, some strange way, to make God different in any way, if you've ever seen him, you would never even that thought never in your mind. God is so glorious, so perfect in power and majesty. And grace and all of His attributes so perfect. And I tell you, there never was a time He wasn't. Never will be a time that He won't be. And it, uh, and He never thought of anything. Never had to wait to do anything. And this God, oh, bless His name, that all you can do is bow down and worship. Oh, and I tell you, and I, some men claim to see their need. And then they go seeking the Lord. But let me tell you what the Scripture says. When we talk about seeing God, I said talk about seeing the Lord. Men say, well, I see my need, and then they go seeking the Lord. But let me tell you, you won't never see your need until you see the Lord. Men's got it backwards. Nobody's got a need until they first see the Lord. Ain't that right, Gary? You didn't have a need until you saw the Lord. I didn't have a need until somebody told me God as He really is. And I tell you what, that's what you know what the scripture says. When the God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham in Mesopotamia, you know what he did? He went out. But not until the God of glory appeared unto him. When Moses was up on the mountain, you know what God said? Put off your feet, Moses, because you're fixing dinner in the presence of God. And I tell you something, beloved, Jah, oh, Isaiah. 
Man, you go through Isaiah 5 five times. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. And that's, that's fundamentalist preaching. Whoa, 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 whoa. Everybody's in trouble but me. Everybody's in trouble but us. But oh, Isaiah the prophet, Isaiah the preacher, Isaiah. And he said, when I saw the Lord, Job, I told you, you know. Oh, he he was he said the most wonderful things about God, and then he tried to defend himself, and God come to him. And he got down, he said, I abhor myself and I repent. Whereat? In dust and ashes. Oh, Daniel says, My coming has come and turned into corruption. And let me ask you if you've ever had this experience. Have you ever been out at night? looking at the stars or looking at the moon and looking at the evening that God made and, and you lay there and you wonder oh my God God made all this and that and you say how in the world can a God like that and all this beauty and all this glory and all this quietness and all this stillness be mindful of me a man how can he be mindful of me a man what would he even do to think about me? There he is. He's going. I read the other day that I don't know how many galaxies. Somebody said that there's millions of galaxies out there. And every single one of them's in God. Oh my. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And oh my. And old Jeremiah said, I tell you what you do. You won't find out about how God deals with men. You won't find out how He deals with men. Go down to Potter's house. You know, you buy pots to put your water in. You buy pots to cook in. You buy pots to, uh, to, to, to do things in. And he says, keep your flower stuff in. He said, just walk down to Potter's house. And he said, well, go out. And he went down there. And there sat that potter. Reached over and got a big old hunk of clay and put that thing on there. Just went to work in that, putting a little mud, a little water, a little mud, a little water, a little mud. He starts shaping that thing, starts shaping that thing. And he says, oh. And then all of a sudden his hand went like that. Don't want that. Got another, put it on there. And he just been to make it, made this beautiful pot, you know. Just glorious pot and everything. He took that off and set that over. I said, boy, that, that's something right there. You know what he said? He said, now, that's what God does. He said, He may make you and throw you away. Then He may make you a vessel of glory, a vessel of mercy, and a vessel of honor. Go to the potter's house. <laughs> lifts up to him and I bless him for that and the first issue that has to be settled in every heart is who is God either we know and bow and worship the one true God 
or else we're worshiping a false one. And that's why Pharaoh, when, he, when Moses went down there, said, Who is the Lord that I should obey? Well, he found out. And he's still learning it in hell right today. Uh, and let me tell you something else that I bear witness to is this. I've seen and I bear witness and I know this from the scriptures and from my own experience. I know really what happened in the garden. I know really what happened in the fall. Now when I talk about the fall, you all know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when God, when Adam rebelled against God. What happened to him? Did he just get sick? Did he get crippled where he has to walk hobbled? Did he get deaf in one ear and blind in one eye and he still get around good? Well, the Scripture says that he died. When we were dead in trespasses and sins. The hour is coming and now is when the dead, dead he shall hear the voice of the Son of God. You see, Adam was driven from the presence of God, put out of the garden. And when that happened, he lost the way to God. He could not get back to God. He could not go back to God. He couldn't turn around and say, Now I'm going to walk back in the garden and I'm going to walk up to God and I'm going to say, Now, now, if you'll let me, I'll just, uh, you know, if you'll for, I'll come around. He, just, he could not go back in the presence of God. He lost the truth of God. He could not, when he walked out of there, he couldn't tell you the truth about God. He lost the truth of it. And he believed the devil's lie. And he lost the life of God. The very life of God was pulled out of him. And I tell you, he lost his righteousness. And let me tell you something. Not only did he lose his righteousness, but he lost all knowledge of what righteousness is. And how it's attained. You know, let me, let me ask you this. Why is man the way he is? Why is man so sinful, so depraved, so wicked? And let me ask you this. Why is man so self-righteous? When we think about desperately wicked, we talk about drinking, cussing, running women, and going to bars, and all just doing all kinds of stuff. But Adam did not do any of those things. There was not a woman for him to lust after. He had the beautifulest woman that God ever made. He dwelt in paradise. There wasn't nothing for him to drink but water. He didn't go to a bar. He never got drunk. He never looked at pornography. He never used told foolish jokes. He never acted. He never done anything that men say is sinful. And yet God drove him out of the garden. And we think about man doing all these wicked things, but let me ask you this. How come not only does man do these awful sinful things, but why is man, what makes him so self-righteous? And there's not a worse sin that a man can commit, in my opinion, than being self-righteous. You know what self-righteousness is? It says my righteousness is acceptable to God the way it is without Jesus Christ. The way it is, the way I live. The way it is because it's mine. The way it is because I'm a good man. The way it is because I think I'm alright. The way it is because I treat my wife right. The way it is because I've, I've done all these wonderful things. And I tell you, and that's why Paul said, if righteousness come by the law then the death of Jesus Christ was absolutely unnecessary. 
But if Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross and bore our sin in His own body on the tree, and there ain't but one righteousness whereby we could come into the presence of God, and that's the righteousness of Christ, then you tell me how sinful it is to try to come to God in your own righteousness. Man alive, you just go ahead and get in your septic tank. Waller in it. Waller in it. Take the lid off of it. Jump right down the middle of it. Waller in it. And then come out of it. And then come around us and tell you, Sue, old boy, I smell like a rose. It's the sweetest perfume you ever smelled. Whoa, look at this wonderful outfit I got on. That's what self-righteousness is in the sight of God. He said, our righteousness is ours a filthy rag. Now I tell you, that's what, that's, what, that's, what, that's what it is. Oh, yes. Sin's not just something we do with our hands. Not something we do with action. But it's a nature. It's a principle that we have. It's a state of the will. And that's why you know our Lord says, You will not come to Me. Why, may, why will not men come to the Creator? What holds men back from coming to Christ? What holds men and women back from acknowledging a relationship with Jesus Christ? What keeps a man or a woman from saying, Yes, that's the God I want. Yes, that's the Christ I worship. Yes, that's the Gospel I believe. What, keep, what is it about our heart and our nature that causes us to get farther away and farther away and feel comfortable farther away from God? Feel comfortable in our sin. Feel comfortable in our fallen natures. Oh... And I tell you what, and, and, and if you miss, this is the starting point of theology. You miss what happened in the fall, you'll miss it all. If you're not a sinner, you won't need a Savior. If you're not dead, well, either a man is dead or he isn't. Either a man needs life or he don't. Either a man can please God or he can't. Either a man needs a new heart and a new nature or he doesn't. And all oh, the old hymn writer said it like this. It take a miracle of God's grace, God's justice to save. It took a miracle to put the stars in place. It took a miracle to hang the world in space. But when He saved my soul, cleansed and made me whole, it took a miracle of love and grace. <laughs> That's what we are. Everybody that here saved by the grace of God is a miracle. And the longer you live, the more of a miracle you understand it to be. It's an absolute miracle. Bruce, ain't it an absolute miracle that you're saved today? <laughs> ain't it for you, James? It is for you, Ruby. Ain't it? It's just a miracle. You see, he told me before service, he said, I'm like that old woman who said, since you saved me, Lord, you ain't never going to hear the last of it. <laughs> <laughs> just not going to hear the end of it. I just, I, you're just not going to hear the last of it. And oh, and I've seen and heard. I've got, I've seen this, and this is what I bear witness to. I've seen God. I've seen God. Seen Him in His glory. Seen Him in His power. Seen Him in His majesty. And He does whatsoever He pleases in heaven, earth, and the sea, and all deep places. I've seen man in all of his fallen nature. 
I've seen man is so wicked and so depraved and so self-righteous and so self-reliant. And I've seen God give life to dead men with that miracle. But I've seen, and I bear witness to this, that God purposed from all eternity to save a people. The God of our fathers, what did He do? Hath chosen thee. <laughs> you know who that light shone about? Paul. Huh? Everybody else saw the results of it. Saw him fall. But he was only on that one man. And I tell you what, you know what the scripture says? As many as were ordained to eternal life, they believed. <laughs> I'm not on a fool's errand this morning. And when you get a time to witness to somebody, we're not on a fool's errand. Known unto God are all His works from the beginning. For whom He did foreknow, them He also did predestinate. Them He did predestinate, them He also called. Them He called, He also justified. Whom He justified, He also glorified. Why are we going to say these things? If God be for us, who be against us? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's Christ that died. Oh, listen. The Lord Jesus Christ was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And God gave us grace, gave us grace in Christ before the world ever began. Before, I, before, the, before God ever created the world, Christ stood as that Lamb slain. And He made this world and design of it was to make a new creation. And when He created man in His fallen state, the reason He created man was to bring glory to the praise of His grace in making new creatures in Christ. And He did that and gave us grace before He ever started the world. He said there's going to be 4,000 years, there's going to be a boy born in Dayton, Ohio to Don Bell and Edna Bell and they're going to name him Donnelly Bell and he's going to be all just a mess. But you know what? I gave him grace before he ever was. I didn't give it to his daddy. I didn't give it to his mom. I didn't give it to his granddaddy. I didn't give it to his brother. I didn't give it to his sister. I gave it to him. <laughs> and I didn't know anything about it till somebody told me. That's good news when I heard it. <laughs> oh, that's good news. Oh, my. And I tell you, why do men, you know, we talk about election. We love election. That God chose the people. He said, I've chosen you, I've ordained you to eternal life. Why do men hate the doctrine of election? Look over at 2 Thessalonians with me just a moment. Here's, your, here's, here's some of you fellows in outline that, that you could preach it very, very simple. Look in 2 Thessalonians 2.13. This is a whole different... This would be a whole message in itself. But look here, 2 Timothy 3.13. Why do men hate the doctrine of election? They despise it. They don't want to hear about it. Because they say that means that you think you're something... No, no, God did. God says I love them. God said I chose them. God said they're mine. And they say, well, you think ain't nobody saved but a bunch like you. I know everyone for whom Christ died is going to be saved. I do know that. But look what it says about election here. 
And oh, it's a blessed doctrine, a wondrous doctrine, a glorious doctrine. God, doctrine of praise. And that's the first thing it says. That Brethren, we're bound to give thanks to God for you. That's the first thing about it. It's a doctrine of thanksgiving, a doctrine of praise. Thank God. Thank God. And listen to this. And then it's a doctrine of love. Beloved of the Lord. God loved you with an everlasting love. Oh, God chose us and loved us in Christ. And look what else it says here. And it's a doctrine of grace because it says God has from the beginning chosen you. If He chose us from the beginning, that means that He didn't look for anything good in us, didn't see good or bad. He didn't wait till we got better. He didn't wait to see how sinful we was. He chose us in the beginning. It's a doctrine of grace. And look what else it is. And it's a doctrine of salvation. It's a doctrine of salvation. Chosen you to what? Everybody says, well, to service. You've got to serve the Lord. You know, God, you know, if you're saved, you serve. And that's not what it says there. He's chosen you to salvation. And you know what salvation is? That means once you got it, you just always got it. Salvation is salvation. <laughs> and look what else it says. And then it's a doctrine of sanctification. Them folks over there, they believe that they can sin all they want to and still go to heaven. Well, I believe that Christ bore all my sins and I'm going to glory. I believe He bore all my sins in my past. I believe He bore all my sins in my present. And I believe He bore all the sins that I'm going to commit. Does that mean you're going to go out here and just wallow in sin? God forbid. How can we that are dead to sin continue any longer there? But all through sanctification of the Spirit. I mean, we God made us holy in Christ. And look what else it says. And it's a doctrine of means. Belief of the truth. You know why you're going to believe the truth? Because God chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world to salvation. And then He makes you holy, sets you apart, makes you holy in Christ. Saves you. And then, you know what you do? You believe that truth because He did all that for you. And then, of course, He done that. That's why you believe it. <laughs> That's one thing about God's sheep. This is, this is one thing that only God's sheep know. They may hear something that they never heard before. They may hear, they, they'll hear a truth. And you know why they know God's sheep will say, that, 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 That's right. That's right. I never heard it before. That's right. That's true. When you hear truth, you just automatically acknowledge that it's true. <laughs> All right. Here's the last, last. No. Let me give you this one real quick. Now I've seen and heard this that the gospel, gospel is a person. Is a person. Now I'd show you that too. Look over in Romans chapter 1. Look in Romans chapter 1. The gospel is a person. And oh, you know, we I'm preaching the gospel. I'm using words. But the gospel, it's, it's the gospel about a person. It's about a person. We talked about God in His glory. And oh, look what He said here in Romans 1.3. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. Now listen to this, separated under the gospel of God. Now we're talking about the gospel now. 
And he had promised this gospel before by the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. It's God's gospel. And what is this gospel about? It concerns his son, Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. Our Lord, <laughs> which was made of the seed of David, there he is after the flesh. And oh, beloved, there he is. Gospel is summed up in a person. I know that it's a person. We're not asking you to trust a doctrine, to believe a doctrine. We tell you to come to a person, trust a person, believe in a person, embrace a person. But the gospel summed up in two words. Substitution and satisfaction. Christ was made to be a lamb. And He came here and the Lord bruised Him, laid on Him, wounded Him, chastised Him, made His soul an offering for sin. And He, beloved, and stood in our room instead as a substitute to bear our sins, to bear our iniquities, to bear our wounds, to bear our transgressions. And He paid a debt. And we sang that song, He paid a debt. I just owe part to Him. No. To Jesus all I owe. For He paid it all. All to Him I owe. And I tell you what. And when He died as our substitute, He rendered satisfaction to God Almighty, His own Father. Justice said, Slay where sins found. Wrath said, Punish where sins found. And when law and justice and wrath was expended on the Lord Jesus Christ, and our Lord cried out, it is finished. God Himself, when Christ entered into that holy place, made without hands with His own blood, God smelled and said, that's a sweet Savior. And I tell you, I accept His payment in full and I accept it for everyone He paid it for. And God saw the travail of his soul and was satisfied. And I tell you, there's three people satisfied. God the Father was satisfied. He ain't looking for nothing else. Not another sacrifice. God the Son was satisfied to do God's will, delighted to do God's will and accomplish salvation for us. And when we hear the gospel and see Christ ourselves, our souls is satisfied and never ask for anything else. I ain't, I ain't asking about conscience. Don't ask for nothing else. Does yours? I, it just is at rest as it's ever going to be. And oh, I tell you, our Lord Jesus didn't come to make men savable. To help somebody save themselves. He didn't come to make salvation possible. He came to save. Thou shalt call His name Jesus, and He shall save His people from my sin. All that the Father gives me shall come to me. And I ain't never, ever, ever going to cast them out. And all oh, bless His name. And you know what I am? I heard old Henry Mahan say this one time. He's got a message on it. Y'all look it up on Sermon Audio. On the trail of God's sheep. That's a good name. I, that's what I am. I'm on the trail of God's sheep. I don't know who they are. Don't know where they are. Don't know what they look like. But I do know that when I run across one of them, the mirrors perk up. That way. <laughs> you know, there may be a goat come through every once in a while, and he won't hang around because he got too many butts. You know, he butts it. But I don't believe that. But I don't believe it. I don't. But 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 we don't know. But 
We just, we our ears perk up and say, Woo! Listen, I hear my shepherd's voice. And he says, Oh, lay down here beside this green pasture. Drink that still water. Oh, come in here in my fold. I'll take care of you. Oh, bless his name. And last of all, this is the last thing. I have seen and I bear witness to the means God is pleased to use and to call these people out for His glory. And you know what it is? It's the Gospel. What I've preached this morning. That's the means that God uses to call out His people for His glory. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Save them that believe. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness or shadowness of turn. And by His own will begat He us, gave us life, put His seed in us. You know, you look in a genealogy, you said, so and so begat, so and so begat, so and so begat, so and so begat, so and so. You and Steve begat those two children sitting there by you. Ruby there sits two of your daughters. You and Ed begat them. Well, that's what God does. He comes and puts His seed in our heart and He begats us. We're born again. Not by corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the Word of God which liveth and abideth forever. And you know what happens to people that's forgotten? They have to be born. And that's what happens. <laughs> Being born again. <laughs> you know the first thing we start doing? Ah, we start crying out. We start crying out. Start crying out. Oh, listen. <laughs> I witnessed this morning. Do you agree with my witness? I was on the stand. Did y'all agree with my witness? If you was in a courtroom and you say, I believe everything that fellow said. So I'm going to, whatever he said and says needs to be done, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> oh, what a gospel. What a, what a wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord. What a wonderful Savior to me. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock. And covers me there with His hand. He hideth my life in the depths of His love. Oh, what a Savior. What a Savior. <coughs> our Father, in the blessed, blessed name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Gospel just fills us up. Overwhelms us. Makes us... Good adore you and worship you bow in our hearts before you thankful 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 hearts that you've made yourself known to us you taught us these wondrous things and this is what we bear witness to Lord these are the things that we want to tell men and women about God in his glory man in his waywardness fallen condition Christ who came to save a people. Oh, blessed be your name. God save your people here for Christ's sake. Amen.
Amen. This thing one twenty seven. One twenty seven. I think that's Hallelujah! What a Savior! Is that what that is? That's what we want to say. Let's stand together. <laughs>